You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Wow, how practical is that? You know what that is? That's a recommitment every day. Every day, a fresh commitment to the Lord. And listen, the only way we are going to be more than just average as Christians is to make that commitment every day. Some commitments are for an immediate change, maybe giving something up as you train for a marathon. Other commitments are much more long-term, when you commit in marriage or even before the wedding, committing to stay pure for marriage. Well, today, Pastor Danny talks about a vow or a commitment that Paul made as he continued his ministry. What is something that you've committed to? Are you remaining faithful in it, or are you sensing a faltering or a falling out of that commitment? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts, chapter 18, as he continues his message, Above Average Christianity. just as human as you and me. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Pause. If God ever says to you, don't be afraid, here's what you don't say back to God. I'm not afraid. Because God has never wasted a word. He never will waste a word. And so if he says to someone, don't be afraid, It's because they're afraid. Paul just got beat up verbally in Athens. And the person that whenever they coined the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me, that's a lie. The power of life and death is in the tongue. I think in some ways the verbal beating that Paul got in Athens hurt worse than some of the physical beatings he endured. And he comes to Corinth in weakness, fear, and trembling. You see his humanity shine through here. And now the Lord speaks to him. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Hey, if the Lord says keep on speaking, there must be something that's encouraging you not to keep on speaking. Yeah. It's fear. Keep on speaking, don't be silent, for I am with you. No one's going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. You won't find God say that to the Apostle Paul very often, if at all. But he does here in Corinth. So, 
I find verse 11 a bit humorous. So Paul stayed for a year and a half. <laughs> year and a half. He says, okay, nobody going to harm me here. I think I'll just camp out here for a while. He stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. Now, verse 12. When Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. And this would have tested his faith in regard to what God had said. You ain't going to get beat up here in Corinth. And now it looks like he might get beat up. They brought him into court. Verse 13, this man they charged is persuading the people to worship in ways contrary to the law. And just as Paul was about to speak, Galileo said to the Jews, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it'd be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names in your own law, you settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. And then, and this is confusing on the surface, but hang with me. Then they all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler. Wait a minute. I thought Crispus was the synagogue ruler. Well, it appears that because Crispus became a Christian, he lost his position as synagogue ruler. Sosthenes is now the new synagogue ruler. And so they turn on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and they beat him in front of the court. But Galileo, he showed no concern whatsoever. And Paul's over there going, I feel sorry for you, Sosthenes, but I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> and God kept his word. Somebody else takes a beating instead of Paul. One more interesting note. When you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and you read verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And our brother, who? Who? Sosthenes. Whoa. If it's the same Sosthenes, then he got saved too. Through Paul's life. Through Paul's ministry. Acts 18 after Sosthenes gets the beating, it says in verse 18, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. It's a haven of rest for Paul. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Cancrea because of a vow he had taken. The having his hair cut off gives us a tremendous clue as to what kind of vow it was. It was a Nazarite vow. You find that vow recorded in Numbers chapter 6. It's Old Testament, and let me just share with you, it wasn't a required thing. It was a voluntary thing. Why would somebody make a Nazarite vow? It's a vow of consecration. It's a vow of commitment. When you make a Nazarite vow, you do it for a period of time. If you're a man, you let your hair grow during that time. And then at the end of the vow, you would have your hair cut. You would offer the hair. If you could, you would offer it at the temple to the Lord in Jerusalem. At the end of your period of vow. Samson was a Nazarite from birth. And he was to have the Nazarite commitment throughout his whole life. But he was an exception. 
The purpose of the Nazarite vow was to express a unique consecration to God. It was not mandatory. It was voluntary. Consecration just simply means dedication. Commitment. When you make a vow, I made it a little bit long, but it's good. It's a promise. It's a pledge. It's a personal commitment. It's an earnest promise to perform a specified act or behave in a certain manner. I have a question. Why did Paul make the Nazarite vow? What was his motive? What was his purpose? doesn't tell us in the text. But we know for at least a year and a half, probably a year and a half plus, he's had a, a haven of rest there in Corinth. He hasn't gotten beat up, hasn't been thrown in prison. But now he's leaving, and he makes a vow. And because the Bible doesn't tell us, we can speculate, as long as we're speculating within the guidelines of truth. And so I want to give you some suggestions as to why Paul made the vow. Possible reasons why he made the vow. Maybe he said, Lord, I'm committing that I'm never going to be ashamed of the simplicity of the gospel message. He had come from Athens. He got verbally beat up. He was shaken. He comes to Corinth. He's in fear and trembling because he got verbally beat up by the smartest people in the world. And that didn't feel good. He didn't like it. Nobody would. But he writes in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. In Acts 26, he'll stand before kings, governors. Governor Festus, recorded in Acts 26, will say to Paul, as he stops him in the middle of his defense, as he stands before the court, and he will say, you're, you're nuts, you're insane. And that's the way people viewed him, people of the world. Paul knew as he's going back out, leaving the haven of rest there in Corinth, there's going to be some tough times ahead. And maybe his vow is, I am going to continue to share the gospel no matter what people think, no matter what people say, whether they respond positively, negatively. I'm going to keep it simple, and I'm going to keep sharing it no matter what. Maybe the motivation for his vow was to endure future suffering because that haven of rest in Corinth, that was not typical for the Apostle Paul. And knowing now that he's leaving that haven of rest now, maybe it's the fresh commitment, Lord, help me to endure and help me not to give in to fear, not to pull back. Take a look real quick. Acts chapter 20. Verse 22, Paul writes here, Now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Next chapter, God sends a prophet to confirm those warnings that the Holy Spirit was giving Paul. That hardships and suffering were ahead. Maybe he made a fresh vow to the Lord and a fresh commitment to the Lord. Lord, I want to endure. I don't want to give in to fear or feelings. I want to 
I want to keep going and be faithful. Knowing what was ahead, Paul would write in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, give thanks in all circumstances. Wow. Really? No matter what life's throwing at you? No matter what the situation is? Be thankful by faith. Maybe the motivation, maybe the motivation was to remain pure, especially sexually. Paul came from Corinth, and Corinth, while he did have a haven of rest and didn't get beat up during his whole stay there, if you know anything about Corinth, it was a godless place. And sexual immorality was rampant. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 about the sexual immorality that was there in Corinth, encouraging believers there now that had come out of that kind of culture and out of that kind of environment and out of that kind of lifestyle to now offer their bodies because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And maybe Paul was making a fresh commitment to the Lord to remain pure sexually. Well, we could come up with lots of ideas, but I'm going to give you my last one. And it just kind of pulls it all together uh, about any other motive behind Paul's vow to the Lord. Maybe you just didn't want to be an average Christian. What is an average Christian? I don't know. In my experience as a pastor, you got a lot of people just attend church, but they don't really serve anywhere. They don't have a real deep relationship with the Lord. They don't have a regular time alone with the Lord on a daily basis. Christian men who aren't spiritual leaders in their homes, single moms who aren't really spiritual leaders with their children, I mean, I don't know, but you know if you're just average. You know. I mean, you know. Maybe you're below average. The Apostle Paul, when you read about his life as Saul of Tarsus, you realize his life in Judaism, he would write in Galatians chapter 1 and say, I was, I was excelling beyond my own peers. And he gave himself 110% in his commitment the Judaism. He was a Pharisee. You talk about commitment. And once he now went from that Pharisaical religious life to actually coming into a living relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, he's not going to take Christianity any less fervently than he did in his life of Judaism. He didn't want to be just average. He just didn't want to you know, get to heaven and, and just make it there. He wanted when he sees Jesus one day to, to see him and to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I wanted to do a message from his time in Athens, <laughs> but it just wasn't happening. And I'm trusting and I trust that this is the message God wanted me to share. So I put in my notes, sometimes it's not a new commitment, but a recommitment. A recommitment. 
And as I was studying for this message, I made some fresh commitments to the Lord. Not new, but recommitment. My wife's here. She'll be happy to hear that uh, one commitment I made to the Lord is to my marriage. I meant to bring it. I forgot to bring it, but I have uh, framed in my office here on the church campus uh, a saying that I got years and years ago about marriage, and here's what it says. Vows made at a flower-lined altar are only as good as those made at the altars of everyday life. Let me read it again. Vows made at a flower-lined altar are only as good as those made at the altars of everyday life. I stand before you and say I've been faithful to my wife. Haven't always been a good husband, but I've been faithful to her. And I want to continue to be faithful to her alone until death do us part. And with that, I made a commitment to sexual purity. Well, how are you going to keep the first one in marriage unless you keep that one? And we're in a day where Facebook and social media and all the stuff, you know, and movies and everything can, can get your mind onto somebody else other than your spouse. That's called sin. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 5, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. He wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4, it's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. He says about the church, Ephesians 5, verse 3, among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity because these are improper for God's holy people. And I don't want to be just average in this. And I know you don't want to be just average. We want to be fully committed in our marriages. We want to be fully committed and be pure in our minds, in our hearts. I made a fresh commitment to the ministry. I heard my pastor of years ago, Milton Frazier, he's been with the Lord now for a few years, but as he said to me one night as we're flying on this little puddle jumper plane from Charlotte to Florence, South Carolina, and he said, Danny, what I'd love to see God doing your life as he leads you to some city or some place and you commit yourself there and you never leave until he leads you away. And I put in my notes, for 36 years I've kept that commitment. I've wanted to leave. <laughs> but until God tells me to leave, I made a fresh commitment. I started, as soon as I became a Christian, tithing. It means 10%. And I gave 10% of what I had then, uh, monetarily, money in the bank. And I gave 10%, and I gave it to the Lord through the church. And I've been giving 10% at least through every bit of increase God gives me. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your increase. And 2 Chronicles 31.5 tells us that the first fruit... The tithe is the first fruit. First fruit is the tithe. Some people say that's not New Testament. It's all through the Bible. It's Genesis 14 before the giving of the law with Abraham. It's Genesis 28 with Jacob. It's Hebrews 7. It's Malachi 3. 
And I want to keep that commitment because I don't want money having me. I want God to have my money. And I want to always honor the Lord with the first fruits. And I made a fresh commitment that unless circumstances just don't allow it, unless it's just some odd thing, I want to start every day with God. I want to continue to have a daily time alone with God. I want to read His Word. I want to meditate on His Word. I want to spend time in prayer. I want to make God number one in my life. Ever made a vow? Not kept it? Of course. I think we all have. I find that the Christian life is not just one commitment. I find that the Christian life is one commitment with a lot of recommitments. Peter, even if all fall away, I won't, I'll die with you. Let me tell you the truth, Peter, Jesus said, before the cock crows, three times you'll deny you even know me. And Peter still denied that that would ever happen, but it happened. He made a vow, he made a commitment, he failed. (laughs) But you know what? If you failed in a, a vow, if you failed in a commitment, The wonderful thing is you can make a recommitment. You can make a fresh commitment. Let me close it this way. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. Now I want to match what he says up there with what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And here's what he said in the beginning of verse 31 of 1 Corinthians 15. I die daily. Wow, how practical is that? You know what that is? That's a recommitment every day. Every day a fresh commitment to the Lord. And listen, the only way we are going to be more than just average as Christians is to make that commitment every day. You can think about specifics that go with a full-on commitment, commitment to your marriage, commitment to sexual purity, commitment in Honoring the Lord with the first fruits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, there's a lot of things we want to do on a regular basis, but to do those things and be faithful in them, to start the day with the Lord, takes discipline, takes faithfulness, takes perseverance. How are you going to do it? A commitment every day. And if you fail, Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. You can can start again. You can make a re-commitment to the Lord. The great challenge of the Christian life is it is so daily. We need commitments, re-commitments, so that we don't just become average. So that when we stand before Jesus one day, we'll hear him say, well done, 
good and faithful servant. Thanks for joining us today to study the books of the New Testament with Pastor Danny Hodges, right here on The Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings through the Bible by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date on the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you in person. Join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series, New Testament Highlights, be reminded that all these books provide a glimpse into God's heart for every person. His word is like a lighthouse, showing the way for lost ships at sea. Each person is a lost ship, floundering in the dark waters until they see that beam of light that directs them back to land. Throughout scripture, Jesus is that beam of light, lighting the path to safety. Tune in next time to hear more from Pastor Danny as he teaches in the New Testament right here on The Living Word.